0: If you have your Bible, we're turning our Bibles tonight to the book of Mark, chapter number 9. We are continuing our study, treasures from the book of Mark. I forget how long we've been in it. We've probably preached probably 40 or 50, maybe 50 messages just so far in the book of Mark. Chapter number 9 tonight, looking in verse number 14. Very familiar piece of scripture, and I want to begin and say that the title of the message is this. Help my unbelief. Remember the man that said, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. We've simply titled it, Help My Unbelief. In Mark chapter number 9, we see first of all, the desirable setting. Verse 14, when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them and the scribes questioning with them. And straightway all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed. And running to him, saluted him. And he asked the scribes, what question ye with them? Now what is the desirable setting? Jesus has just taken Peter, James, and John up to the top of what we call the Mount of Transfiguration. Probably Mount Hermon. 9,400 feet in elevation. Those young men went with the Lord in verses 1 through 13 of this chapter on that great climb up the side of that mountain. A couple of things I might point out to you. That when you make a track like that, you're being separated. Separated from the things of this world separated from things that might hold you back. Every now and then, I would suggest to you that you go up on the mountain with Jesus. Some years ago, I think about four years ago, I believe it was, I'd ask a group of men from this church and a couple other churches to get together and meet me at a spot and we were gonna climb up a mountain and we were gonna go pray. I believe we had 26 or 27 men that met me at the foot of that mountain, and we walked up a cattle trail, single file, as best we could, to the top of that mountain, and what a beautiful, beautiful pasture it is at the top of that mountain, a view of four states. And we had a mountaintop experience. We had opportunity to preach there to them. Had some young men that were testifying, and some got to running. Uh, across that pasture where there are cow patties, skipping every other one, amen, shouting and praising God, laying up under rocks as best they could up under the crevice of a rock, seeking God's face and praying. We had a wonderful time. It'd do good for you to find yourself a place to separate yourself from your daily routine, from the things of this world, and say, God, I want to meet you on the top of that mountain if you would let me, amen. So there's a time of separation. It's also what I might say a sacrifice. Don't forget that Mount Hermon was 9,400 feet in elevation. The mountains around here are not quite that tall. And they had to climb that mountain minute by minute. It's not easy. It's not for the light or the faint of heart. It's not a little cute thing you're going to do. You're going to have to be enabled and empowered of God to make that trek up the side of that mountain and climb up it with the Lord also, not just a separation in a time of sacrifice, but I think about the substance. What happened to them there? When they got to the top, and there they were, Peter, James, and John. And the Lord Jesus went a, got a little separated from them and began to pray. And When they looked, they saw a vision. A vision, what was their viewpoint? What was their vision? Jesus was glorified. They saw him transfigured, his face did shine or outshine the sun and his raiment was white and glistering like light was just exuding from him. He he became on the outside what he is on the inside. Uh, One of these days that's gonna happen to us, amen. Uh, We're gonna become on the outside What we are on the inside. You may think, Preacher, Darren, I'm corrupt. Honey, tonight, if you've been saved by the grace of God, the Holy Ghost lives inside of you. And one day, the glory of God is gonna come upon you, and you'll shine on the outside like you do on the inside. Hallelujah to God, amen. Now, not only did they have a vision, but they had some visitors, my Bible said, uh, that up there on that mountain, uh, there came Moses, which represents the law, and there came Elijah, which represents the prophets. They had some visitors. They didn't need name tags to say, hello, my name is Moses. Hello, my name is Elijah. Oh, no, Peter, James, and John didn't need name tags. They knew as they were known. Well, these days we're gonna know as we were known. Say amen right there. Not only that, but they heard a voice. You know what they heard? Well, preacher, they heard Moses speak. They heard Elijah speak. They heard the prophets. They heard the law. No, honey, they heard the voice of God. Look with me down here in verse number 7. God spoke out of the sickina glory of God and a cloud of God and said, This is my beloved Son. Hear Him. What a desirable setting to be on the mountaintop with Jesus. To have a vision of the Lord. To have visitors all around and to hear the voice of God. I might say they've had a mountaintop experience with the Lord. But now verse 14 says... When he came to his disciples. Now, wait a minute, Preacher Darren. He's already with his disciples, Peter, James, and John. But their their, their writer is talking about Jesus coming off that mountain back to his other nine disciples, the the ones that didn't go on that trip for whatever. So, So I may say this right now, okay? As they come down the mountain, they're getting ready to enter into a valley. And many of us, we want to live on the mountain. I mean, hallelujah, your marriage is going great. Hallelujah, shout right there. Your health is good, glory to God. Your morality is good. Your choices are good. The finances are good. You got support of your family. You got the support of your friends. I mean, it looks like smooth sailing. I mean, the devil's not on your back whatsoever. No kinks in the road. No difficulty in sight. No trials present. No difficulties. Glory, hallelujah. But extra, extra, Read all about it. Life will not be spent on the mountaintop. There will be a time when you come off the mountaintop back down to the valley. And I'm telling you, trials will come. There'll be challenges of life that are gonna face you, difficulties that are gonna surround you. There'll be some family friction. There'll be some friends that leave you and your friends become fewer and less supportive And it just seems like down the valley, there's some serious struggles. These disciples, Peter, James, and John, have left the majesty and come back down to misery. (laughs) Uh, They've left the glory of God for the groan of man. Are you there? Are you on the mountaintop, on your way down the mountain? Are you headed up the mountain? Are you down the valley low right now? What is your desirable setting? May I say this? If you're with Jesus, it's a desirable place to be. Amen. Number two, when I look in this text, I see a desperate situation. Now they've come down the mountain. The first thing when they come down the mountain, these are all going to start with the letters, the letter D. There are some disputing fellows. Look at verse 14. Jesus comes down the mountain to his other nine disciples. And the Bible says the scribes are questioning with them. There's a squabble going on. The multitudes are gathered around Said, Can you believe what's going on there? There's Thomas and Matthew and they're being confronted. There's a squabble with the scribes. And everybody's gathered around that situation. And they see Jesus coming down the side of Mount Hermon. And when they see him, the Bible says they all begin to be amazed And they all began to run to him, and they began to greet him. The Bible says they began to salute him. Jesus saw this debate going on. Jesus saw the disputing fellows. Come here, I want to tell you something. Jesus knows about the dispute that's going on in your church, the dispute that's going on in your family, the dispute that's going on in your heart right now over whatever it is he knows. He's not been blindfolded. He knows all about what's going on. And he asked the scribes a question. He said, what question ye with them? As if he didn't know. Honey, he knows. He's asking the question to start a conversation. So there are some disputing fellows. There's also a distraught father, verse 17. One of the multitude, there's a person in this great crowd of people that begins to answer. And he said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth, and gnasheth with his teeth, and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. Here's a distraught father. Master, I've brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. In agonizing detail, verse 18, he describes the pitiful condition of his son. His son is living every day in torment. It's horrible. He's in pain. This father comes to Jesus looking for help. Have you ever came seeking Jesus? Jesus for help. And when Jesus wasn't with the disciples, Jesus was up on the mountain with Peter, James, and John. But the other nine in the valley below were still serving the Lord and they were open for business. And when this man shows up and says, "Uh, where's the master? I bring to you my son. The disciples said, we can heal him. Preacher Darren, no they couldn't. Turn with me in your your Bibles to the book of Mark, chapter number six, just a few chapters back, verse number seven. Let's see if they had the power to do it or not. Mark six, verse seven. He called unto him the 12 and began to send them forth two by two and gave them power over unclean spirits. And when this man, go back to our text now, when this man brings his son to these disciples, they're like, hey, we've cast demons out before. This is nothing. And they said demon be gone or whatever they did and it didn't work. And because they failed, the scribes, the religious leaders, the rulers began to question and dispute with those disciples because they could not. I think then about the demonic forces that were at play. He said he has a dumb spirit. Spirit, that word right there, tells me that there's a demon there. The Bible says in verse 18, Wheresoever he, there's your demon, he taketh my son, where he teareth him. In other words, he takes him, he he overcomes him by force. He takes him and he begins to tear him. He causes him to go into convulsions even. He's... He's in control of his life because demonic spirits are present. Just as soon as those three disciples come off the mountaintop with Jesus, they face the world and its demonic forces that are present. May I say to you, I promise you that you come in contact with the the forces of this world and the forces of hell every single day of your life. They surround us. I'm telling you, it's what's going on on the news. There are demons at play. Demonic forces. Why I preaching there? Why would somebody? I'll tell you why. Demons are possessing and influencing. I'm telling you, they cannot possess a Christian, but they can try to influence you to do corrupt things. I do not want to be a hat rack for the devil that he hangs his hat on me to do his business. Amen. Now, verse 18 again, we've seen some disputing fellows, a distraught father. We've seen demonic forces. What about some defeated followers? I brought him, or I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out. My Bible says, and they could not. Now, the world is mocking them for their lack of power. I went to Kentucky Fried Chicken on Super Bowl Sunday to get us some chicken. They said, we're out of chicken. Kentucky fried chicken's out of chicken. And I said, well, y'all also run a Taco Bell here. Yeah, we do. Well, I'll take some tacos. Oh, we don't have any taco meat. We got lettuce and we got cheese. I mean, who wants a taco with lettuce and cheese? I mean, the meat's worth that, right? We want the taco meat. I mean, think about it. I went to Auto Bell to get my car washed. I pulled in. The guy met me, says, listen. He said, We don't have any workers here. We can't wash your car. I said, well, I'll just go through the automated thing. He said, I don't have anybody punch a button. I thought, who are you? I I mean, just just think about it. Autobail, they're in business to wash cars. Kentucky Fried Chicken, I, I could go on and on. I've got a whole list of things. I mean, I went to McDonald's. I didn't get the hamburger on the bun. I got on the bun ketchup, onions, and mustard. No, no, we don't don't have any hamburgers. I mean, why didn't you tell me at the drive-thru before I ordered the burger? You you see that? McDonald's without burgers. Kentucky Fried Chicken without... Preacher, you ought not to name them. Honey, it's like having a church without the power of God. Sinners come here because they need to get help from Jesus. And if we can't point them to Jesus and pray with them and help them, if there's no power of the God... Working in our lives. we wasting our time. We're twiddling our thumbs. We're not here to conduct business. We're to conduct heaven's business. Are y'all with me? We either have the Holy Ghost or we don't. And when this man came to Jesus, when Jesus wasn't there, he brought him to the disciples and the disciples, what sad words, what tragic words. And they could not. Man, I don't want to be the church of, and they could not. I want to be the church of, Jesus can. There's nothing too hard for him, amen? Nothing's impossible to our God, amen? So we see some defeated followers. Look, in verse 19, we see some dead faith. He answereth them, he answereth him, and said, "O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. Jesus sees the truth of the matter, doesn't he? He sees a lack of faith on all parties. He sees a lack of faith of his nine disciples. He sees a lack of faith of the religious leaders. He sees a lack of faith amongst the scribes. He sees a lack of faith amongst the crowd. He sees a lack of faith amongst this boy's father. The saddest part to me is not the condition of the boy. Richard, how come he's being... He's being torn, he's foaming, he's gnashing, he's pining away. And you're telling me that's not the saddest condition? It's not. It's not the saddest condition. It's not the spirit of the scribes. Uh, here they're supposed to be holy men, reverent men, men that are worshipful, men of faith. and They're squabbling. They want to spend all their time disputing rather than worshiping. It's not really even, even the sad heart of the Father. Let me tell you what the saddest part is. The lack of faith. Of these nine disciples they're representing Israel the I came Jesus came into his own and his own received him not and I'm telling you the lack of faith listen now obviously they probably said demon be gone they had faith in their ability Jesus gave us the ability so they believe they have faith in their ability we've done it before we can do it again we we have faith in our experience We've sung before, we can sing again. We've preached before, we can preach again. We've taught before, we can teach again. We can go to church and we can go to church again. You're basing it on your experience. When was the last time you prayed a real prayer of faith that's beyond your experience? These disciples could not because they had faith in themselves. Faith in their experience. And we're supposed to have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. May I say thirdly, I see the displeased Savior. He is displeased at their lack of faith. Oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? The disciples, think about it. They've seen Jesus' power firsthand. They've seen him raise the dead They've seen him cast out demons. They've seen him heal lepers and blind men. And now they have a complete lack of faith. I mean, he's done countless miracles and given them the ability to do it. And they lack genuine faith. Now, I'm just going to say this. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 6, without faith it is impossible to please God. Well, Preacher Darren, I don't like your point. a displeased Savior, I don't think Jesus was displeased. You read the scripture, you tell me. My Bible just said, without faith, it's impossible to please him. And he said to them, you don't have faith. Where's your faith? Their faith is dead faith. It takes faith if you're going to please God. We have a displeased Savior. Fourthly, and I'll be done, I want you to see his divine solution. Verse 19, bring him unto me. I underline those four words. Best thing you'll ever do is bring your situation, your loved one, your needs, bring it to Jesus Christ. Now watch what our master does. And they brought him, that is the, the, the boy with filled with the demon that's being torn and, 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 and weeping and, and convulsing. They brought him to Jesus. And when he saw him, when the demon saw Jesus, straightway the spirit tear him. He fell on the ground and he wallowed foaming. I wish I could give it justice, but can you just imagine what a scene. This, this boy who was just kind of whatever, he falls on the ground and I just see him going side to side wallowing over. And my Bible says he's foaming at the mouth. He, he, that demon stoned him down and began to convulse. He said, hey Jesus, watch this. I have power over this situation. Your, your disciples couldn't do anything. They didn't have power. And the demon says, I don't really think you've got power either. As the child is writhing on the ground. My Bible says in verse 21, Jesus, he asked his father, how long it is it ago since this came to him? Now here's this boy, wallowing on the ground, pining away, convulsing, demon possession, wallowing, this boy's in, and Jesus just looks and says, tell me something. How long ago was it that this came to him? <laughs> Preacher, he ought to have been doing something for the boy. He knows he's going to do something for the boy. He's not worried about the boy. He's worried about the father's faith. How long? He's, he knows when this came to him. He's initiating the conversation. Tell me how long this has been happening to him. He said, of a child. It's been happening to him. Preacher Aaron, a demon wouldn't do that. Oh, wouldn't they? We see one right here. The demon began to attack this man when he was just a child. And oft times it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. Imagine, he gets close to water and the demon throws him in the the water to try to drown him and gets to a fire and throws him in the fire to try to burn him, just to cause more trauma, just to cause more problems. And he says, but if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And what about that? Look what he said. If thou canst do anything why did the man say if thou canst do anything I mean he brought him to Jesus to start with he wasn't questioning Jesus if Jesus could do it or not to start with I'll tell you why the word if came up because his disciples could not and now his disciples testimony has cast a bad light on Jesus who he is and has called the world to question who Jesus is you know how the world questions right now it's because of us it's my lack of faith. It's the way I live my life. It's the way I conduct myself. It's the way I behave myself. And the world looks and says, there can't be anything to this Jesus. That boy there in Walter says he's saved and there ain't nothing to him. I'm casting Jesus in a bad light. I mean, When people click on me, they ought to get Jesus. But it's not what they get. It gets flesh. And I'm telling you, it casts Jesus in a bad light. And now this man has put an if. He's put an if on Jesus if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Now, when, they, when, when the disciples failed, his faith in Jesus is shattered as well. Watch what Jesus said immediately. Jesus said unto him, if, there's our word again, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. I just want to tell you all something right now. Don't put the if on Jesus. There is no ifing when it comes to Jesus. Jesus said, Don't put the if on me, let's put the if on you. <laughs> if thou canst believe, that's the real question. If you will believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Amen. What a wonderful truth. Straightway. The father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, called him Lord. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I think we're probably talking about a saved man. He called him Lord. I believe. Lord, I believe who you are. I believe. I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. In other words, I don't have perfect faith. I don't have mature faith. I don't have strong faith. I don't have average faith. I don't have common faith. I really sometimes don't even have a weak faith. Lord, I believe, but help thou mine unbelief. You come to me with your prayer requests. I believe God will do something for you. But sometimes in my own life, I've experienced this many times, there's a present need or a present battle, a present struggle, and I get to praying and the devil says, hello. He might do it for everybody else, but he's not going to do it for you. My wife, we went to the doctor. I prayed and prayed and prayed. God, let these tests be nothing. God, bring healing into her her life. Give her high energy. Bless her. God, she's blessed and highly favored. Touch her, God. The doctor said, hmm, you have multiple sclerosis. You have seven, eight, nine, maybe ten lesions on the brain. This is something that you'll never be cured of in this life. And the devil said, Hello? You've been praying, she'd have healed, blessed and highly favored. She'd have healing in her life. And look at your diagnosis. Never be healed in this life was his words. We walked out of there to that hospital and went to her car, went to our car. I opened her car door. I 99% of the time opened her car door for her. Y'all know it. I opened the car door. She started again and I, I looked her right in the face. I just kind of stopped her. And I said, honey, what does this mean? I mean, I'm crying. She's not crying at all. In fact, she's kind of laughing. She's rejoicing. She's happy, I thought. If I had just been told I had multiple sclerosis, I don't think I'd be rejoicing. She said, I'll tell you. She put her finger up my face. My wife, your pastor's wife put her finger up in the preacher's face and said, I'll tell you what this means, buster. It means that God has chosen me to suffer this for his glory. Most gladly will thou therefore suffer these things. Amen. What she's saying is this. She was experiencing the grace of God. Just like Paul, he had said to her, My grace is sufficient. And she sat down and I shut the car door. And I walked around the back of the car and I went, How do you like that, preacher? She just gave you the word of God right there on the spot, right in the middle of the condition. I'm telling you, don't put the if on Jesus put the if on us and the Lord has used that yes she still has multiple sclerosis yes she has still has all kind of problems but God has used that to, to, to give her a platform to be a national spokesperson for multiple sclerosis and, and she's led people to faith in Christ and, and she encourages people who weep and cry and go into depression and she texts them and, and emails them and, and she has her own little ministry y'all have no idea while she's laying in her bed she don't get to come to church like y'all do all the time she's got her own little ministry Encouraging people. How'd that happen? i tell you how. Lord, help thou my unbelief. Lord, I believe you, but help my unbelief. And I'm telling you, if we turn it over to Jesus, He'll make victory and triumph come out of your defeats. And you feel like this is the worst thing that could ever happened to me. It may be the best thing that ever happened to you. God can turn it into that. That's not in my notes. I just... Feel that working in my heart right now. Lord, I believe. I feel like tonight, honest, as I was praying this afternoon, I got on my desk, under my under my desk, I'm praying this afternoon, and, and God said, you better have belief because tonight you're walking into a room filled with people that you know and love, and they're gonna smile at you and pretend there's nothing going on in their life, and right now, there's some that have... A There's some have struggles and prayer requests and faith issues right now. And they really need to hear that they can't live on the mountaintop. Sometimes you're in the valley. Sometimes you're going down the side of the mountain. And the world's in your face. And the devil's trying to defeat you. And it's time for you to look around right now and say, thank you, Lord. Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. It's not what Jesus is going to do about your prayer request. He's going to do something about that. It's what Jesus is going to do about your faith to meet the need of the hour. That's the question. It's not about getting your prayer request answered. It's about Him dealing with the faith that you need to have in your heart, in your life, and in your soul. I got hung up there just a little bit, but I feel like just working in my heart. God said, somebody's here tonight. Whoever you are, that's for you. God wanted you to hear that. Here's this boy. While Jesus is dealing with this man, the boy's still wallowing around. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb, boy, he got that right. <laughs> Thou dumb and deaf spirit. That really just, he wasn't calling him uh, that, that to try to be uh, a disrespectful. He, he's a dumb and a deaf spirit because he's rendered him to be a mute. And, and he's treating him like this. He says, I charge thee. Come out of him and, like this, enter no more into him. Ha, ha, ha. In other words, I'm kicking you out and you ain't coming back, baby. You're gone, son. You're out of here. I remember the night I got saved. I'd been sitting there holding hands with the devil and Jesus saved my soul and kicked him out of my life, amen. Was the best day of my life when I broke up with the devil and I called on Jesus. Hallelujah. Verse 26 says, and the spirit cried and rent him sore. In other words, no, right. And he tried to have his last act and rent him sore and came out of him. And that boy, he was as one dead in so much that they said, that many said, he is dead. He's laying there now with no spirit in him, amen. But it looks like he doesn't have any life either. But I like this, verse 27. But Jesus took him up by the hand and lifted him up. And he arose. Maybe you've been knocked down tonight. Maybe you've been run over. Maybe you've been steamrolled. You didn't hear what you thought you ought to hear. You've been treated wickedly all day long. And you feel like, preacher, I'm just dead. Uh, this situation is completely, it's, it's, I mean, there's no chance. There's no hope. But my Bible says, but Jesus, <laughs> he came over to that which was dead and reached down and took his hand upon that boy's life and lifted him up. May I just say tonight, simple stuff, Jesus is still in the lifting business. Ain't you glad of that tonight? My Savior's still lifting people up from the dead, up from the ashes, up from the disease. He's still going, God, I want to run. He's still in the lifting business. (laughs) Honey, he can lift your spirits. He can lift your countenance. Honey, he can lift your needs and meet them tonight, amen. I'm glad of that. Preacher Darren. and you're getting too excited. My Bible says in verse 28, when he was come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could not we cast him out? In other words, we're realizing this has got something to do with us why we couldn't cast him out. Why could we not cast him out? We, we used to could. Back in chapter 6, you gave us the power, and now we can't do it anymore. Verse 29, he said unto them, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer. What is prayer? It's a state of communion with the Lord. Not just praying ever now and then. A regular daily prayer life with the Lord. This kind can come by by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Not feasting. I like the feasting. But the E's left out. Well, preacher, I think that right there is a mistake. I think they got that wrong in the King James Bible. Put that E back in there for eat, and let's call it feasting. No, honey, it ain't feasting. It's fasting. It's denying yourself the things of this world. It is uh, talking about surrender and submission to the Lord. The Lord's telling him you need to live and to walk by faith. I want to confess to you tonight. I've confessed it underneath my desk this afternoon and I'll confess it again. My faith is weak. The Lord knows that. Often weak. And I must confess, Lord, he's my Lord. I believe. I believe the Bible. I believe Jesus is God's son. I believe he died on the cross. I believe they buried him and he rose again. I believe he forgave me my sins and saved me, amen. I believe. There's a lot of other things I'm a little shaky about. Lord, I believe, but help thou, I'm going to put the but in there, help thou mine unbelief. I want to say two things, I'm done. There was a man who was spending the night, you hear me, don't cut me off. There was a man who was spending the night in a chalet in Switzerland. And early in the morning, after he spent the night there, he heard a noise, roaring, rumbling, crackling. He was afraid. I mean, it was so loud, he thought it was the end of the world. He went to the host, he said, listen, I am frightened. What is the roaring, the rumbling, and the crackling that I'm hearing? His guest, or his host said, son, that's just the sunshine hitting the ice slopes. And it's the ice cracking and the ice melting when the sun comes up in the morning. And what you think is the end of the world is the dawning of a new day. Did y'all hear me? What you think is the end of the world? I'm speaking from experience. What you think is the end of the world is the dawning. Of a new day. I could give you all kind of reference points here in my life, in the ministry. I'm thinking of things we've been through together. I'm thinking of things I've been through individually, and everything I thought what was going to crush me at my darkest moment began to be the dawning of a new name. I remember when COVID, man, COVID itself had me. I was gone. I laid there. I rolled my face on the wall. I begged God. I said, Lord, if you, I know I'm already on borrowed time, but if you'll let me live, Lord, if you'll help me tonight, God, to see my children just grow a little further and, and meet a grandchild or two one day, Lord, if you'll just help me, I'd be, Lord, I'd spend my days serving you. And honey, he came by that night. What was going to be the end of my world was the dawning of a new day. I'm glad I got so sick because he came by my room upstairs somewhere between 12 and 3 o'clock in the morning and maybe all of it, amen, and we had church. And God turned that thing and said, I'm going to give you time, Lord to God. And it became a new day in my ministry, a new day in my life. I hope y'all can see it working in me ever since then. It was incredible. I took a group of 26, maybe 27 men up on Bear Walla Mountain. Cattle trail. We got to the top, exhausted. We sat down on those huge rocks. and God said, I want you to preach to them. Can these bones live? Prophesy to them. We was exhausted. I said, this is what the Lord's laid on my heart as we walked up. I started preaching to them. Next thing I knew, there's a shouting and praising God, and the Holy Ghost filled our hearts and our lives. And son, I'm telling you, I'm not kidding. When people was running and shouting and landing up underneath the crevices of rocks, it was incredible. What a mountaintop experience. And the time came, after spending about three or four hours up there, we had to go back down. And as we started back down, we're single file, and we get almost about halfway down, and these two ladies and a man was in front of our group and I was about midway's group and I heard yelling and screaming and hollering up ahead and we stopped and I was like, what's going on up there? And I tried to get some of the men and then people said, you're getting too close to us. they are about 200 feet away. You're invading our space, our privacy. Y'all need to wait, stop. We just went up here to pray, Sorry. Didn't know he was invading your privacy or your space. So 26 or 7 men, we stopped. They went on down in front of us. We started tracking back down again. We get down to the bottom as we're coming through the last little thing and out of the little gate there. They were waiting on us to yell and scream and swear obscenities at us. We headed on out to get away from them. Nobody said nothing. We got out there. And all them boys was like, can you believe, bless God, what did we do wrong? That's all. And let me tell you something, we, should, we went up there to worship and pray and by the time we got back down, we faced the world and demons and we got our focus totally off while we even went up there. Just as soon as we came down, we was already lost. The glory and the splendor we'd just been up there for. Tonight in this service, God has allowed us to hear some magnificent things. It's kind of a mountaintop experience just being here, not hearing the wonderful words of God. But when we go out these doors tonight, whatever you came here with, you may still be facing. The bad news, the, the work issues, the, the problems that's going on in the family, you're still going to have to face them. And, and there they are. As soon as you come off the mountain, there they are. Preacher, there, what am I going to do? You better Pray. You need to say, God, Lord, I believe you. Help thou my unbelief. Well, Preacher Darren, I'm not going to tell him I'm, I'm, I don't, I'm not believing. Oh, you holier than thou, little thing. You better than everybody else around, evidently, because the truth of the matter is, every one of us need help when it comes to faith matters. you stand at your feet tonight. I just tried to be honest and preach what the Holy Ghost laid on my heart. Seth, I don't usually give imitations on Wednesday nights, not always, but tonight I feel like God spoke to me this afternoon. There's going to be somebody there that needs to hear what you're going to say. Preach it to them, son. Give it to them and pray for them. I don't know who you are. I'm praying for you. I pray for courage that you'll step out. Maybe you never do. It's your moment right now. The issues at home, the issue in the family, the worries, the fears that you have, bring them right now to Jesus. Come on. Folks are coming right now. God bless y'all. Come on right now. God bless y'all. Thank you for your faith. Our Father and our God, as we bow in your presence tonight, Lord, I want to tell you, Lord, I believe you. I believe your word. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you saved my soul. But Lord, there are some issues, some matters, some some circumstances, a, a setting that we're encountering right now. And Lord, we get our eyes off of you really quick and we forget the message and we forget the word and we start focusing over what fetters us. God help us tonight, Father. Lord, help thou mine unbelief. Would you touch my brothers and sisters tonight, God, that they've gotten bad news. There's some real worldly Things that's trying to influence and God there's some things that's upsetting and some things that's taking them out of character today God I pray Lord you'd overcome it God just as much as you had power over that demon to cast him out and bring that boy back to life and lift him up Lord the real matter there was you were dealing with that father's faith and tonight God help us to see that what's going on around us, it's not about what is happening. It's about the faith in our heart. (laughs) Oh, yes, God, and that's where I'm a slacker. That's where I'm lacking. God, help me tonight to put my faith, my trust, my confidence in Jesus. Lord, tonight, bless my brothers and sisters. Help them, God. They've admitted the truth. I pray, God, you defeat the devil now. Oh, Lord, he's going to try to tear and make a mess. God, whip him again, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.